Greta Gerwig, and you're listening to Film Wax Radio. Hey, everybody. It's Adam Shartov, your host of Film Wax Radio. It's uh, Thursday, March 19th, 2020. This is episode number 603 of the podcast. I hope everybody is okay. I know that everybody listening. Uh, not everybody, I should say, listening is is actually probably okay. I'm sure some of you are not, whether it's because you are ill or because you're in some level of anguish. You know, I definitely uh, sympathize, and um, I've got a lot of family drama going on. It doesn't really involve, in the immediate sense, the coronavirus, but it is impacting what is happening in my own personal life right now in regards to my parents. If you're a regular listener of this podcast, you probably have a good sense that there have been, in the last couple of years, some medical dramas going on in my life with my parents. They're in their 80s. It's not uh, especially unique. However, because of this episode you're, you're going to hear now, I guess I should just at least fill in a little bit uh, so you understand, my mother, <clears throat> uh, who ha- has had advanced dementia for many years now, she's uh, in a nursing home here in New York, and um, it started many years ago, and in the last two-plus years, she's been in this this facility, which has taken very good care of her, and historically, <clears throat> excuse me, historically, it, it, by the way, it's it's called frontotemporal dementia. At this stage, she really just can't do anything uh, for herself. So she relies on uh, the staff to feed her and uh, everything else. Um, She can't speak or walk. It's pretty bad. Uh, She had a real zest for life, let's put it that way. She was um, a very unique person and um, still is. I don't know what she's going on internally, but I, I hope that she is okay. And now my father has had a series of uh, challenges medically, and he is in a facility. So his facility is also not too far from my mother's, but we can't get in into these facilities, and I can't make any progress in terms of helping him permanently. And we just literally got him the, a phone yesterday, and I've been being able to reach him and talk to him. But we can't get into the facility. So I know that I'm not alone here and that there are a lot of people who have uh, parents or grandparents or other family members that are uh, uh, might be in a hospital or a nursing home or rehab center and, and can't get to them because they're in lockdown mode. So uh, I definitely get it. Um, so with all this happening, I enter into a conversation with the filmmaker Sally Potter regarding her new film. It's called The Road's Not Taken. Now, I, I was confronted with this thought. The film came out last Friday. So I'm by this, and I put it up on YouTube, so you may already be aware that I've already put this conversation up, but for those who only listen to the podcast version, which makes sense, uh, this is my, what you're going to hear now is this conversation with Sally Potter, who, who, by the way, this is her second time on the podcast. 
Uh, her last movie, which came out a couple of years ago, was called The Party. That was episode 462, and that was from February of 2018. And uh, we conducted that over the phone. This time she was here because I think the film essentially premiered here in the U.S. And um, it was last Friday. So she, I think she just got the film in under the wire, but I, I don't know. It's unfortunate timing for any filmmaker. And I know a lot of you that are listening right now are filmmakers and um, either maybe had a premiere s- s- scheduled for... Uh, this week, next week, next month, what have you, or was going to premiere their film in a festival, which, by the way, right now is we're in the kind of the height of the festival season. Right now is when South by Southwest was supposed to be going on and where countless filmmakers were premiering their films right now. And then there's just myriad festivals around the country and the world which are shut down or either postponed or canceled altogether. Festivals will no doubt, most of them, return once the virus has, uh, um, I guess, been under some level of control and um, minimized. Movie theaters? It's another question altogether, which we'll get to soon on, a, on a, I think, an upcoming episode coming in the next couple of weeks or so. I'm going to try to get uh, somebody on the show. In the meantime, though, there is this conversation with Sally. I don't know that you can see the film. I don't know... It is being, I believe, since it's being distributed by Bleecker Street, that they are putting their films online. So I will put those details into the show notes, uh, if you can, but you, so you can see it. It may already be impossible to see this for the time being, and perhaps it wasn't the greatest timing for me to put this up on the podcast, but this is a timely conversation regardless, and I felt... It was important to um, to put the, this episode up with Sally, so that's what this is about, and it's it's why I opened the the this introduction telling you about my family because it comes up in this conversation. Sally's film again, it's called The Rose Not Taken, follows a day in the life of Leo, played by Javier Bardem, and his daughter Molly, played by Elle Fanning, as she grapples with the challenges of her father's chaotic mind. As they weave their way through New York City, Leo's journey takes on a hallucinatory quality as he floats through alternative lives, uh, alternative lives he could have lived, leading Molly to wrestle with her own path as she considers her future. Uh, the film is written and directed by Sally Potter, uh, in addition to Javier Bardem and Elle Fanning. Uh, the film also stars Salma Hayek and Laura Linney amongst its cast members. So we'll keep you in touch with how you can see the film, but uh, this is still a great conversation and one worth putting out there regardless of how quickly or soon you can see it, or maybe you did have a chance to see it. If there is a theater and it's open and it's playing it, I I don't know, I don't feel exactly responsible encouraging people to go to the movie theaters, but... If they're more or less empty, I I guess I can't see the harm in it, but what do I know? Be safe. And I'm going to continue doing podcasting through all of this time and uh, probably doing the majority, if not everything, remotely with my guests. But I've been doing that a lot anyway, so whatever. Uh, This is my conversation with uh, the returning filmmaker, Sally Potter, regarding The Roads Not Taken. And we'll be back after that. 
Here it is, Sally Potter on Film Wax Radio. Papa! Papa! Dad, are you okay? Papa? Can I ask you a question? Okay. What, what kind of endings do you prefer? Depends on the story. What happens in yours? In my story, a man sets off on a long voyage and overcomes one obstacle after another. And on the last page, he has to decide to continue his life in exile or to come back home to what was once his home. You want to tell me something? We all have regrets. Everything is open. Why does everyone continue to refer to Dad as if he's not here? What is he? Dad. Dad! I just don't know what you're saying. All right. So we are recording. Let me just hear you for a second. Just okay. Here I am. I, I, you'd like me to be pretty close to the yeah, microphone. Yeah, it sounds nice like that way. This. It sounds nice like we're intimate. on the... Okay. That it good? isn't. Yeah, you're inside people's heads talking. Yeah, and, yeah exactly. Well, it, it really is uh, a delight to meet you. I, um, I've been watching your films for, for a while and a big fan of your film work. And Thank you. Yeah. So in a, the party, it's hard to convey over a phone, you know, how that, that, that a feeling of wanting to connect with somebody you know it's it's hard to establish when you're remote like that but this is nice being in the same place as you so yeah so we're here to talk about your latest film which is called the roads not taken and uh it's a it's a kind of a heavy duty film i'll I'll start i guess and you please interrupt (laughs) with the just kind of giving some background on it um javier bardem plays leo leo yes who is a father who is um the film takes place over the course of a day, and he's going through something. We're not quite sure. It's It could be dementia. We don't really know. You don't really get specific, do you? You don't really define it. It's it's open a little bit, too. Somebody it's, mentions at one point what it, what it is, but it's not what's that. foregrounded. No, it's just it's that we, point. we see how he looks, how he's talking, how he's yeah. not talking. Yes. Um, so we know something's going on. Yeah. He's definitely internalizing or living an internal experience yes a very rich and very vivid internal <laughs> experience um which nobody else can see but he can certainly see right except for us where we get to see we the audience get to see what's in his head very good point <laughs> <laughs> exactly we are privileged to see inside his head but that's also what filmmaking does right it takes us we the viewers have this sort of intimate access to things that the characters themselves don't necessarily have about each other within a story. Mm. It's interesting because it's all about the outward appearance versus the internal experience. Yes. Uh, yes. L. Fanning, who plays his daughter, has come there to bring him to the dentist that day. And, you know, uh, she's seeing his full, the full range of his, uh, whatever he's going through, manifesting itself. And, you know, and then to yeah. try to bring someone in that in that place to, uh, uh, into the world and on an errand is, uh, an enormous undertaking as yeah, it is. It, it's like an, an epic, an epic <laughs> odyssey. So a- everyday life becomes an epic. I think when you're, mm-hmm. um, living with that condition and when you're looking after somebody in that condition, when you don't really know exactly what's going on in their mind. And this could be 
a condition of autism. It could be a condition of somebody who's losing the ability of speech for some other neurological reason. Mm -hmm. It could be a kind of mental illness where somebody appears far, far away somehow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, in this case, uh, when the doctor, a doctor finally mentions it in a kind of offhand way, it's frontotemporal dementia with a kind of aphasia. So there, there's technical... There, there is a technical definition yeah. of what's happening, right. but in reality, those states are very, very take very individual shape anyway. I, I have a parent who yes. is um, actually my mother, who is uh, very, very uh, advanced in her own frontotemporal mm -hmm. dementia. So this film, of course, had a special, you know, I think it special for anybody who sees it. So I'm going to urge everyone who's within earshot of what I'm saying to go see it. Mm -hmm. Uh, you don't have to have a parent going through this. It's going to touch you. Mm -hmm. But it does have a certain significance. You know, I, I, I spend so much of my time when I'm sitting in a room with my mother, you know, wondering, knowing that one thing, knowing that uh, she would never, knowing who she is, she would never have allowed herself to be what seems to be like almost vegetative in a way. Mm -hmm. But then I have to go on and think, I don't know what's going on in her head. And all I, it gives me some peace of mind to think that, well, certainly that she wouldn't be suffering. Mm -hmm. uh, but more than that, that maybe there is a some sort of rich thing going on in her mind, whether it, uh, it could be just a fantasy. In the case of uh, Leo, you know, actually is experiencing roads not taken in his life. Yes. That exist coexist in parallel with the yeah which the he's so tapped into real life, which mm. for him is at this point a, a somewhat limited life because of his yeah. disability and his some of his functions are not working in quite the right way or he's not able to find the words to express yeah. maybe what he's trying to communicate or maybe he can't remember what he is trying to communicate yeah. and so on. So these other lives coexisting in parallel that he's able to, if you like, swim in and out of in his mind, like a mm -hmm. kind of stream, a river, river of consciousness through his head, are the lives he perhaps could have lived had he made other choices uh, yeah. so, earlier in his life. Yes. In the way this, whatever, the, the illness or the, however we want to define mm -hmm. this, that he's uh, going, it kind of has, he's been able, it's opened him up to this. Yes. Uh, uh, being to able do. to tap into those ex exactly. other, other. Now, this sounds like a very, very complicated thing to to have pursued as a story yes. for you. And I, uh, I guess I would have said, well, a great novelist, this would be perfect for. And you did write the film. Yes. So did you think it was going to be difficult to have to show this visually? I, I have an inkling it might be a bit of a challenge, <laughs> but you know, like I like a good challenge and I like to That's take fair. risks structurally. Right. And, um, I, but it, it was very complex to work on. You know, you can imagine like the floor of my studio with everything laid out on oh, the floor, really? all the possible directions, and then the charts and the timelines uh -huh. and the different ways of thinking about it and how, how one could express parallel realities. And, but, but what eventually I came up with was this, this, this feeling of, you know, the river, that, that he, mm. he is seamlessly making transitions between one level of reality and another, or one life and another. <coughs> right. Imagine, if you will, yes. floating down a river, yeah. and then there's a, a, a branch off of the river yeah. and you float down that one yeah. and experience that and then, and then it maybe it brings back. you back exactly. into the original source or what have you exactly and it does it by like gesture or by association in the mm -hmm. ways that our mind tends to work you know mm -hmm. if you um 
you know, think of an, uh, people ask, you know, okay, think of an orange and then, then what do you think of next? You know, maybe you think of an orange jacket that somebody's wearing. Mm. And if you think of the jacket, what comes next? You think of trousers, you know, and so on and so forth. So his mind is making these associative leaps or his body is taking him like in a gesture from one yeah. place to the next or one level of reality to the next. While his daughter gazing at him with lovingly and respectfully and protectively is trying to figure out what the hell is going on <laughs> in his head as they go through this ordinary epic kind of a day. But by the end, she begins to figure it out. Mm-hmm. The biggest challenge for a caretaker is how do you navigate to communicate successfully or at all with, with someone who goes through this? Because you, you're telling the internal possible life that somebody has who like like leo's experiencing and it could very well be that uh, something like that or something entirely different is going on for let's say my mother when she was in a much earlier stage where the fusion between what appeared to me and how i interpret it was that like the short term and the long term which we successfully fuse because they're different mm-hmm. ex- parts of our brain or experience these two types of, of memory or brain experience and, and and they no longer fuse together so it can conf- it's like who is this guy is sitting next to me on the sofa? He's sweet, but I mm-hmm. want my husband back. Mm-hmm. And my solution was to sen- to tell my dad, okay, when that happens and she gets anxious, leave the apartment mm-hmm. for a little while, then knock on the door, mm-hmm. and then when she and then when she would see him temporarily, she would be so relieved because she had her husband back. But yeah. then, of course, that never lasted, did it? You know. Yeah. So, I have to ask. Did you experience someone in your own life? Several, several people. I see. Um, My mother, towards the end of her life, she actually died of another illness altogether. Mm. Um, But she, as a consequence of the cancer, actually, but as a consequence of the drugs she was taking, she got brain fog that kind of looked like a sort of senile dementia. So she lost short-term memory. So I saw memory issues. Then I had a friend, a very close friend, who had multiple sclerosis and became paralyzed and lost the ability to speak over a like, 20-year period. I was a close friend of hers. I was mm. responsible for organizing her care. She had lost all her family. And I was the only one who seemed to be able to understand what she was thinking, was able to communicate her needs to others. And then my own younger brother got young-onset dementia, frontal, frontal temporal dementia, yeah. and I was responsible for his care. And he... Because it was when he was so young when he got it, he declined yeah, very quickly right. and that's, died within two years. That is a, uh, yeah. a problem. With, uh, really fast. Uh, yeah, really fast. Uh, that but, happens with young people. Yeah. Uh, but what onset. I found with yeah. him, talking about the communication issue, you're saying, yeah. is that providing I didn't try and make him come into my reality, but rather I moved towards his reality, that I found ways of communicating him easily. If I thought of his his strange speech patterns, for example, as a kind of poetry, sort of like concrete poetry. If I responded with my own kind of concrete poetry, we got got along just fine. We had a great time. We had a riot. We laughed in what other people thought we were talking nonsense speech. But somehow it had its own logic. I also found that if I made a joke out of difficult situations you know there's a few difficult and humiliating situations in the story that he faces but that if I approached that as a kind of game that I was part of that he wasn't alone with it that I too could have that situation I'm talking about adult diapers here actually to be precise but you know I would say everyone should wear them hey I'll wear some too Nick hey how about this you know I would turn it into we would be laughing hysterically the pair of us so um I think there are ways through. Music's another way. Yep. 
um, yeah, yeah. that that one mm. can kind of think of it as just a different form of communicating that doesn't follow the normal, the so-called normal logic, but makes its own kind of sense. Mm. Well, if you're listening and you wonder why isn't Sally, although lately you've been, this is two films in the last three years, but if you're wondering why Sally Potter isn't as pr prolific as you would, might want, now you understand a little bit more what you've been going through the last <laughs> bunch of years, where you have been such a, uh, a um, playing such an active role in these friends and families' lives uh, when they're going through this. I don't think that's the reason why I've made less films, although I have to say I've made nine, written and directed nine features, which is, is more than any other, or almost almost any other woman in the working in the English language, so I should be proud of that. But I've always felt that I could have made twice the number of films, not because I'm caring for people I love, though I like to do that too. Mm -hmm. I'm a human being with people who I adore and want to do the right thing by but more because I'm a writer-director, and writing is a slow game. Yeah. Um, shooting is a sprint in the middle of a marathon that begins with the writing where everything is worked out really and then concludes with a long reflective, relatively long reflective the editing period. The sprint is successful if you've done all the work ahead of time. You earn it. And you've earned it. You, and you earn it. Yeah. And then you can, to some degree to some degree, jettison what you've prepared in the light of what's actually happening in the moment. But you can only do that if you've prepared at such a deep level that you don't then deviate from your original intention. How much have you, did you jettison in this project? Which again, it's uh, called The Road's Not uh, Taken. Jettisoned some, you know, I jettisoned you? some equipment, you know, this, oh. everything needed to be handheld and I jettisoned certain sequences and scenes and certain ways mm -hmm. of doing things. But I think, I hope, I jettisoned them for things that were better. Yeah. You know, I'm always ready to find something better. But but I did do a huge amount of preparation with each, right. not only on the script, four years, but the in the middle of which I made the party. But, um, oh, I see. Yeah, I did. I always work in parallel on several different things. Is that, um, is that a helper? Uh, do you find that is, um, I guess it's always different, right? To, if you're all of a sudden diverging and working on something else that can I could see why that might be a positive thing or not so I like working on things in parallel for for <laughs> several important reasons one is that if I get stuck on one I move sideways to the other by that time I came come back to the first one my unconscious mind seems to have kind of worked something out mm -hmm. point one point two um, like many other female directors, perhaps other directors too, but you often feel this film is your last. You know, I felt that from the baby. This may be my last. I may not get another chance. I've got to jam every single subject I've ever been concerned about into it. <laughs> this is a kind of weakness, actually. So if I can at least divide Doubt. up the subjects mm -hmm. I'm currently obsessed with into separate films, that's probably going to be more coherent. And um, so that's what I do. You made nine films, you just said. Yeah. Uh, have you written them all? Yes, I've written them all, yes. So you, is it is it just, it wouldn't make sense to you to, to be a, a director for hire or? Well, it might be if somebody sent me an interesting script, but it does, okay. you know, on the whole, um, certainly at the beginning of my working life, I knew that if I waited for an interesting script to come to me, I would not have made any films at all. So I needed to write the films I wanted to make. So I, in a way, learned on the job how to write those films that I wanted to make. And then I came to love writing those films I want to make. Mm -hmm. So it's the journey, the complete arc from the nothingness to the somethingness of a film that is what's really exciting to me. But it means it's slower. You know, it means the cycle is kind of a three-year cycle, three to four years. Mm -hmm. That's not so bad. It's not so bad. As your own writer, 
I have to imagine you're already, you know you're directing it, right? So mm-hmm. you know how you direct, yeah. and you know how you want actors. And, and so you're, it's really helpful to you to just write it too, because you, don't ha- you, you know your power, your strengths and uh, preferences, what, however. So you must write that in your editing already right you're you know uh maybe where you're maybe you want your locations potentially so you can write around that uh. well i know uh, you know that when i'm writing a script it's with the pragmatic eye of a director you know i know that i'm not going to write you know twenty thousand camels come over the hill or whatever you know i'm not going to be able to <laughs> yeah. afford twenty thousand camels no, or maybe CG, not though. even it but i might be able to afford a hill <laughs> so, um, you know, there's a kind of pragmatism that comes into the writing. I also d- never put in, for example, close-up, wide shot, blah, 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 blah. That's taking away entirely from the work of the director and the cinematographer unless later it's on. A, unless you're doing a visual, some sort of visual... Uh, storyboard? Well, if you're withholding information, I, I uh, yeah, storyboard is on, one way to do that with, where you don't have to write it, I yeah. suppose, but that's more or less the same thing. Yeah. But if you're, no, like I'm thinking if you, have, if you needed to have a one shot so you don't see what somebody else is doing. Yes. And then you want to pull away and then surprise people by showing the other that's person. That's a directorial decision. If you write that okay. in, I think you're limited, you're not going deep enough. Mm. You know, what you need to get in the writing is, well, why are we withholding that information? Mm. Why don't we want mm. the audience to know that? Otherwise, you're, you're, you're determining the form, but you're not giving the cause. Mm-hmm. So I, I try not to determine too much about how the film will... Well, I no, I'm going to contradict myself immediately. Like in this film, for example, there's like a lot that. of, of <laughs> physical transitions and things, which yeah. were all in the script, sounds that are in the script... Um, colors that are in the script so but those are kind of the director and me who knows that's the way I need to do it in advance without over determining the precise way for example of framing which Mm -hmm. you need to discover later I I think mostly Um, and then when I'm directing of course I'm able to if I need to change the writing without asking anyone else's permission without feeling I'm treading on a writer's toes. Right. Um, so, and then in the cutting room, that's the final rewrite, really. And you are a co-editor, too. Hmm? You're a co-editor on this, aren't you? Oh, on this one, yes. I, yeah. uh, yes, for exceptional reasons, because of how the team needed to change during the process and because I, I needed to recut it several times. But, um, uh, no, I like to sit in the cutting room with an editor. Sure. With his or her skill set and discuss things as we go. This one, actually, when I was thinking, um, not while you were talking, but I was thinking, this is has a very, very, uh, this is me reaching and trying to tie together your your work and giving uh, some sort of sense of continuity here. But Orlando, if you think about it, Orlando is portrayed by, is a man, as a woman, right, in different Different selves and different, different times. Different selves at different yeah, but, times. But is the same self at the same time. Yeah. The same person, but, this is but two different changes. exploring maybe some other aspect of, 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 of that same sort of thing. Very perceptive of you. Where, oh, where you. Orlando <laughs> moved through time linearly through different selves, this, this right, person almost. moves out, if you like, Branch. sideways yeah. in parallel. Right, which um, different selves. Mm. So, but there is a the, what they have in common is the exploration of the fact that each of us is more than one thing, 
more than one person Thank even, you. more that's than oneself. Was, that's what I was trying to say. You did say it. <laughs> <laughs> this was something I think Freud, uh, no, excuse me, Einstein would have appreciated this, this, this film. Well. Because of the time uh, space continuum, continuum issues I, and the and just parallel. I did my best to look up what the quantum physics reality is of parallel universes and what Einstein had to say about it and others. Yes, I am not trained in those (laughs) ways of thinking. But um, so therefore, obviously, I'm getting a more populist end of, you know, a greatly simplified end of that that area of thinking. But there is a lot of thinking amongst physicists at a very high level about coexisting realities uh, called them parallel lives parallel Mm. universes the string theory something can be in one place and another place at the same time it can be a string and a and a a point in time and space you know they're sort of mind-boggling concepts really but so it means that at least on that level there is some sense that it's a concept that has meaning that's worth exploring it's uh, it's not just a sort of sci-fi affectation you know that it's got a sort of some kind of basis in that reality and then of course it has a psychological basis in that mostly we all know we're living out just a tiny percentage of our potentiality and that we are we are many in the brain but also that we are many (laughs) many things Mm -hmm. and that we tend to kind of perform being one person but we know we're kind of somebody else as well you know many other possible possible selves Mm -hmm. yeah there's not a there's no science fiction but it's interesting how you know, if you think about science fiction, it's usually grappling with non-science fiction issues that we all grapple with. Uh, yeah. It just uh, uses a different sort of way in, but yeah. but it's yeah. it's it's right. Uh, but very interestingly, it's, it's a yeah. kind of you know popular genre way of exploring often very very big ideas, whether it's about artificial intelligence or other universes or time travel or or whatever it may be. Yeah. The uh, film, again, is called The Road's Not Taken, directed by Sally Potter. This is her ninth film, and it stars Javier Bardem, Elle Fanning, Salma Hayek, Laura Linney. I'm leaving out one or two other people. Yeah, there's some other people, very good people, in, in other smaller parts, yes. Oh, Rebecca can... Katic is one of them who plays the carer. Right. My dad now is... Uh, I, I, I've been handed a lot. <laughs> I did not see all this coming, but um, he... Uh, yeah, he, he, he. My dad is in a now in a temporarily in this other place. He's supposed to be doing physical therapy and getting better. Instead, he's decided that um, you know he's kind of checking out. Essentially, stopped eating. Uh, he's doesn't have any memory, even though for two solid years every day he walked to my mother's facility, which is just blocks a nursing home where she's mm-hmm. getting care, and he would walk there every day without fail. Two years in a row since she was moved into there, and then. But, you know, when I asked him, he doesn't have any memory of that. He knows that she's somewhere and that she's not mm-hmm. well. But I decided to try, I try, decided to, try to uh, me and my sister, uh, bring as many friends and family to show him how mm-hmm. people, you know, are counting on him or love him and yeah. support him and want him to, mm-hmm. to, to get better and, um, you know, not to give up. And... Uh, so one of the people is this friend in Italy. So the other day, you know, she's been going through WhatsApp, you know, mm-hmm. and yep. I just put her on the, so they have mm-hmm. a video phone call. Right. How did that work? Well, he knows her. Yeah. I mean, he, he's yeah. speaking Italian to her, a pigeon right. Italian, but he's like, como stai? Uh, mm-hmm. and he, lo- he knows yeah. exactly who she is. He knows yes. everybody. Yes. The long term, you know. Uh-huh. But after that, he made, he asked me how, how something about where we were, like in, in, mm-hmm. in you know, where, where I was coming from or something. 
and I said, well, I'm just a few blocks away and, uh, you know, I'm staying in his apartment. And, uh, and he goes, you mean we're not in Italy? Uh-huh. So, so he's doing time, tra- time space travel. It, yeah. Yeah, he's well, doing it's a, he's a thing. science he he was fiction in novel of his own life. Except that I should have just shut up and said, yes, you're in Rome or Fondi or whatever town he... And well, I not just, necessarily, but you could say, what's it really, like in Italy? How's it going for see, you in I, Italy? that's what you would have done. Yeah, because that's, you, what I, you that's what I learned to how to do. Well, to I, go into his right, space I didn't and know his he was reality. There. I didn't know yeah. that's where he was yet. This yeah. is all... It's, yeah. it's, it's like, you know... But I, I, you're inspiring me, Sally, because I really feel like this is very helpful this time to... Try to get because this will give him could potentially give him more peace. It could, you know, because yeah, yeah. my mother I know was suffering during that whole period of the, what my dad is sort of in now in the early stages of mm-hmm. it seems that where she was losing that again that fusion and that ability to yeah. figure things out like what's going on, and instead trying to remind her I know was not I said Dad stop correcting her you know mm-hmm. and things like that because yeah. it's not yeah. doesn't, that doesn't help doesn't yeah. help at all telling people what the so-called reality is doesn't, yeah, doesn't, doesn't seem to help you have to go into well in, in my experience anyway i wouldn't mm-hmm. want to generalize or know, advise right. anybody no, else but in terms not. of what i learned the most helpful thing to do was to go in fully and embrace this other level of reality yeah. without fear and, right. and explore it together find common ground and, yeah and maybe just be very very tuned in that way yes. you know when you're maybe, you know, how much to step into yeah. their reality. Which means or... dealing with one's own fear because it's disorienting and you feel a feeling of loss of how things were, right? Mm. But maybe you find something else new that's very rewarding and very sweet. That's beautiful. That's a very lovely way of looking at it. And and um, I don't know if optimistic is the word, but it's... There's more hope in it or more peace, I guess. Let's call it realistic. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, I don't want to get people that they're going to come out feeling like they've been assaulted by some, you know, emotionally here. This is a a beautiful film. It's poetic and it's uh, well, beautifully acted uh, by uh, the actors we mentioned. But it's also there's humor and lightness to it that is absolutely there. Uh, and it's a major component and, and tone to the to the film, and uh, so I, I, I urge people to go see it because you know I think everybody knows people, if not you know many in their lives now yeah. that are are um, going through something. Yeah, like Leo is yeah. in this film, play. and I feel for them. Yeah, as I do for you. Thank you, thank you. I appreciate it. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, it's just all for you know. I will come out of this. Uh, a deeper and better for it, you know, please. <laughs> the film is, uh, well, we're here at Obscure Pictures, but it's, it's being distributed by Bleecker Street yes. and it, here in the States. And uh, did it already play in the UK? I have to imagine. Did, did you have a, did you already have a theatrical in the UK? No, no, no. Okay. The first opening is here in the States. It is. This Friday. I guess yeah. that makes sense for this particular film. Yes. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, Friday, uh, which is actually the 13th. Yes. Friday the 13th here in uh, in the States. So it's in New York, and uh, I could LA. ask the guys, LA, LA Los Angeles, mm-hmm. okay, and then probably yeah. broader, wider, yes. wider, et cetera. Uh, Sally Potter, thank you very much. Um, it's been great. Nice thank to you. Nice to meet you. Thanks very much. Thank you. I think that's good. I just don't know what you're saying. I'm gonna have to make some hard choices. 
You keep reminding me of someone that I once knew. Where have you been all day, Dad? Wake up, Liam. Far away you go, you were always you. Thank you for listening. Uh, we have coming up on the show uh, also a conversation with another wonderful returning filmmaker named Beth B. Uh, she's made a terrific documentary about uh, the subject uh, of punk singer and activist named Lydia Lunch who she's known for many decades. And this was supposed to uh, screen at South by Southwest. In fact, the day we did this, she was getting ready to leave the next day, I think. Um, And so that was all canceled. So, but I'm still playing these uh, episodes because there's still much to be gotten out of uh, the, uh, the conversations. And when these films become available, I will certainly re-engage you with these episodes in the meantime that's coming up as well as a conversation with a fellow podcaster so sometimes i do bring on non-film people because uh, i'm also in the podcasting community and i like i've had on different podcasters over the years and one of my favorite podcasts is called the gilbert gottfried amazing colossal uh podcast and um gilbert was on some years ago uh, when they made a documentary about him, and he was on with his wife. And um, now we finally, after all these years, I've finally been able to get on Gilbert's co-host, Frank Santo Padre, who will be on an upcoming episode shortly. So uh, that and and more, all here on Filmwax Radio. Thank you. So when I use my regular closing statement, take care of yourselves and the ones you love, I could mean it more. Thank you for listening. Broken lines, broken strings, broken threads, broken springs.